ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. One, two, three, four. Baby, scream if you want some more. Uh-huh. On. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. How are you? I feel like I just saw you when I did. You did. We did bang on live in Adelaide on the weekend and I'm still on a high. I can't I, I can't come down. It was so good. Oh, my God. It was so special, wasn't it? We This is our first shows. We've been talking about doing Bang On Live since we announced in mid-December, and these were the first shows that kicked it off. The first show of the whole tour sold out. It was in the beautiful oh, Spiegel wild. tent. And we cried. Vibe, <laughs> we cried. Well, the vibe was just so amazing, wasn't it? I, I, I knew it would be a reunion, but it just yeah. once we got out there, the love in the room and the excitement and the pure joy for that hour was just phenomenal. Oh, it was so beautiful and... and yeah, I've never. I mean, look, we we all do things on the radio and on the telly and whatnot, and you sort of never really see your audience, or at least get an idea of who's really into it. But this is the uh, probably the first time in my life I've done something where just about everybody in the audience was there because they loved it, mm. and there is I've never felt anything like it. It was so beautiful, and and everyone seemed really nice to each other, and it was a real community. Um, yeah, I'm quite blown away by how it felt for me, and I know you felt the same. Absolutely, and just feeling that love afterwards too because we stuck around for um, signings. We've got merch on sale. Oh. We sold out a merch in Adelaide. Oh, we just about on the first day as well. It's phenomenal. It's crazy, and so we, we're very happy at each of these shows to stick around because we love meeting our Bang fam, and we did yeah. that afterwards outside the Spiegel tent and did some selfies, but um, and, yeah, oh, just hearing just everyone's stories and connections was amazing. That's, that's right. I'm just saying with the selfies, though, there's probably some really bad photos of us in those. <laughs> Because, you know, it's really rushed and people want to take their photos real quick. We have to take it really quick because there's a whole lineup of people. So if there are really bad photos, just um, don't post them. Be kind. Be kind to us. You might look good in that photo, but I probably won't, okay? So just just remember that when you're posting on your socials. Um, be, be kind to Zan and me because we don't get to choose. Just think about the whole composition, not just how hot you look. Just That's look. right. Oh, no, actually, think about how hot you look. Stuff it. We don't matter. We also had some very special guests, and this is something that we're going to be doing at every bank on live we have surprise guests tom gleason joined us on saturday tom ballard joined us on sunday took the conversation in a direction i was not expecting um but should we i'm just thinking should we pop some of these special guests and some of the highlights of bang on live in the podcast feed for everyone to listen to absolutely absolutely because what we do we still cover the events of the week in the live show but there's a few other extra things that make it a little bit more about us and about the podcast, i.e. Uh, the quiz section, How Bang Fam Are You? How Well Do You Know Us? is <laughs> a good one. And there's, there might be a little fashion parade at the Ooh. end as well. So, um, yeah, get on board for that. But I think, I think when we talk about things that we talk about on the podcast, especially guests banging on about their favourite things, I think we need to share that. That's a great idea. There's such good bangs as well. Tom, actually, Tom Gleeson banged on about something that I've been meaning to Ooh. watch. So it was great. He's very much bang fam. He's well and truly in, in the crew, in the cult, as we realised it was yes. over the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll pop that up uh, really, really soon too, so you can be in the room as well. And we're going to restock the merch and bring it with us to Newcastle, because that's our next stop, Thursday, March 7th. So next week, we're going to be heading to beautiful Newey, which is your recent hometown too, Miff. I know. I can't wait. I feel like I've, I'm, I'm going back to my people. I had such a lovely time in Newcastle. Um, and we've decided to, Zan and I, we were having a chat that we should, if you're coming along to the show, let you know what we'll talk about 
given we often dissect a long read or talk about a movie or a television show or whatever. So I have decided in my infinite wisdom (laughs) to make you watch a movie you don't want to (laughs) watch. This is the only way you're going to get me to watch Saltburn. <laughs> yes! One, two, you're giving me two, homework. Four, baby, three, once a more, uh-huh. You're going to love so it. So I'm going to finally get Hate that it. reference. I don't know what yes. the hell you're referencing there. And Princess the ma- Superstar. Do you remember Princess Superstars had a new career 20 years later? It's amazing because of that song. It's like gone number one and whatnot. And, and same with Sophia Lispector because, of course, they've referenced the uh, – the indie sleaze era of around about 2006 in the movie. So, so yeah, I think you're going to love slash hate it. I cannot <laughs> wait to talk to you about it. And if you want to come along to the Newcastle show, do and watch Saltburn beforehand so you can <laughs> you can have thoughts with us. It's our little bang on book club. So, yeah, get ready for that over the weekend. Watch Saltburn. We'll see you in Newey at City Hall on Thursday next week, March do you, 7th. Do you know how big City Hall is? I just looked at the pictures. I didn't realise. It's like nervous? a 2,500 seat venue. Oh, my God. Zone. I know. I, I don't think that they open up the whole thing, but I was like, what? Could there possibly be 2,500 Bang Fam in Newcastle? I don't think so. So bring your friends. Better get the staging onto it and build a catwalk so we can really give some oomph to the show, Miff. Yes. Yes. No, it's a huge venue. I don't think they often open up the top, so it'll be fine for us. But I was looking at it going, <laughs> oh, my God. This is like the Melbourne Town Hall, but bigger. I have faith in Newey Bang Fam. You will turn up too. and fill those seats. We can't wait to see you. I do too. Look, it's been a massive week, even a few days since we last caught up, because last night for anybody who stayed up and maybe felt the heat where the game was happening in Melbourne, 35 degrees as the Matildas got ready to head to the Paris Olympics. They absolutely smashed Uzbekistan 10-0 to 0 to, follow, oh. to qualify for the Olympic Games in Paris. Michelle Heyman alone scoring four goals, um, and she's a, a comeback queen as well, which is incredible. She's returned to the Chili's. It's so, so good. So good. I, I, I have to admit I flew into Adelaide last night because I'm back in Adelaide right now. Um, so I didn't see it, but I, I tuned in right at the end and – is that the one who hasn't played for six years or something and is back now? Is yeah, that who she's you're talking been about? brought back in because Sam Kerr is injured, won't be in mm. Paris, and Michelle Heyman has been brought back in, and she's thirty-five. So, if, you know, in sports person eight years, that's pretty old. Yep. But she did put us in our place when anybody was thinking, "Is she okay for the game? Is she yeah. ready?" In thirty-five degree heat, got four goals and well and truly helping send the Tillies to the Paris Olympics. So, what a vibe in Melbourne as that happened. So, so exciting. And the Tilly's love will continue in 2024, which we're happy to see. So, so good. The other thing that's happening in terms of filling out arenas. An absolute frenzy around old mate Fred again in the last few days. He sort of started posting for a couple of days a bunch of cryptic messages saying he was going to be flying a long way away with his mate Joy Anonymous, who was actually born in Australia, so is technically Australian, has lived in the UK for ages, kept on referring to it as his hometown or his home country. So we're like, shit, is Fred again coming to Australia? And sure enough, on, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. No, Wednesday. He posted, this week is cooked, he posted that he was in Australia. He was at the top of the bloody Sydney Harbour Bridge, pointing oh. behind him and saying, What's I'm playing at the Opera there? House tonight. Get down, everybody, from going up there. There's no, what's the, 
I mean, I, I guess it might be a nice view, but you can get that from a hotel <laughs> nearby. Surely you don't need to climb on top of that thing. I don't know. If someone sent me up there, I would do it. And I'm sure that someone very kindly <laughs> sent him up there for free. He got a little freebie to go up there. But yeah, I'm only he, saying that because I'm terrified of heights. That's true. <laughs> very high up there. But he it played is. the Opera House. I think he's the only artist who's ever, you know, got to be the only artist that announced and sold out and played uh, the Sydney Opera House in the same day. What, 2,600 tickets? I think there was like 100,000 people waiting in line to try and get tickets oh when they goodness. went on sale. Just nuts. That's wild. And just within a day, 24 hours. Within like a few hours because he announced it that morning and then it was like, cool, let's go tonight. And, you know. Okay, that says that says a lot, doesn't it? That's I mean, people, it's hard selling tickets to things at the moment. Global financial crisis, mortgage, interest rates, um, you know, cost of living, all of that. It's really tough for people to choose and decide what they want to go to. Like I was thinking about even Taylor Swift, you know, to go to that and to travel for families must have cost them absolutely thousands. So for most people, that's really feasibly the only thing you can afford to do for a fair few months at this time in in our history because life is so expensive. And yet this guy just turns up in one day and bang, everyone's there. You know what the difference though is, and I've been thinking about this a lot because we've got this whole kind of feast or famine scenario with festivals mm. in Australia where a number of festivals cancelled. I think like yeah. four or five of them in, in January alone just said we can't go ahead this year. Other festivals are going to the biennial format because they just can't sustain it over every single year and booking people in and expecting tickets will sell. And the general feeling is that people aren't buying tickets straight away. They're waiting to the last minute. They're waiting to see if they can afford it. They're waiting to see what will happen. Also, post-pandemic, people are a bit more reticent to buy tickets because they've got, mm. they're have got a bit bruised by a lot of things being cancelled when we thought we were going to bounce back and then a whole bunch of stuff, you know, waves came through and it was cancelled. But you've got the Taylor Swift thing is interesting, Miff, because she has the same sort of whipped her fans up into a frenzy. It's happened worldwide with the Eras Tour where yeah. everyone saw the history of, okay, these tickets are going to sell out. There's going to be a mad rush. I need to be in there. I need to be in it to win it. And Fred, again, has also got this habit of doing last-minute shows. That's his bit. That's his marketing pitch. He mm. pops up and says, cool, I'm playing Coachella tonight. I'm playing Madison Square Gardens. I'm going to do these huge iconic venues. I'm going to do the Sydney Opera House in a few hours. And he and he makes us feel, before we think about, can I afford this? Am I free? What else is going oh, on? Dopamine hit. He's going for the dopamine hit. Yeah, it's that, that hype and that scarcity, that fear. Yeah. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out, but also this feels good right now. Don't think about it. Just do it. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that our brains are being rewired in the age yes. of social media, right? It's like, go, go, go. Whatever's in front of me, you think about the news cycle and how quick that is. It's no longer the 24-hour news cycle. It's almost like the three-hour news cycle. What's next? Mm. What's next? Fred, again, is like using that, exploiting that. And literally the day after he plays the Sydney Opera House, he announces six arena shows. Next week, he's kicking it off. He's doing mm. three Rod Laver arenas in Melbourne on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh. Then he's going to do the following I've week. I've got a theory here. Go. Okay. Where's yeah. the following week? Well, he's got Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. So, And then he's going to do a pop-up in on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday mm. and Thursday, so the 12th, 13th and 14th mm. of My March. theory's getting a little flimsy at this point. But <laughs> what I'm thinking is Fred again's just really good at calling up these really big venues and going, hey, you guys, it's really close to the minute. Hey, um, 
what nights are you free? What nights have you not booked an artist? I'll just fill in. Half rate, off you go, bang in there. Everyone wins. Doesn't All I need is a projector he, screen, and then doesn't me and matter a mate. if he doesn't sell out. He's easy. He can move around really quickly. There's no, there's no, no huge trucks that need to get to different cities with all the, all the stage show stuff. So he's just the guy who's really good at, at calling up the huge venues and having the audacity to go. Doesn't matter. It's Monday or Tuesday. You wouldn't have anyone in there anyway. I'll just come in. Bang. Here we go. He's got a flexible work environment, is what you say. He has. He has. Although he's doing, <laughs> he's doing one on a Thursday night. So that's where my theory got a bit flimsy. But I was just thinking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Who else is playing Rod Laver on those no days? No one. <laughs> no one. No one's playing it on a Monday ever. Oh, except for Pink. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but people will turn up for Pink. He's also going to be playing a pop-up show at the Goldie, your spiritual home. Would you, oh. Where would you imagine he'd be on the Gold Coast on a, on a Saturday night? Oh, what, it's a Saturday night, so it's an actual proper night. Mm. Mm. I don't know. The Entertainment Centre? Miami Marquetta, maybe? Uh, <laughs> Might be too pink, small for him. The Pink Poodle. <laughs> Motel. I don't think that exists anymore, does it? I don't know. It's amazing. So anyway, I'll let you know if I get a ticket for it. I think they're on sale right now as we record. And um, Are you I'm sure go? I'm, I'm going to try and get go? along. I want to go along because I love spectacles. Same as the reason that I was lucky to go to Taylor Swift. I love spectacles. And this is going to be a, a bloody spectacle. So oh, I'll report and back. Speaking of spectacles, um, Chemical Brothers, I saw some footage on Double J's Instagram mm. of that show. Holy hell, that looks amazing. I'm going on Saturday. Are you? I was actually a bit like when Fred again announced, I was like, oh, you're cutting Chemical Brothers lunch, which is so mm-hmm. millennial versus or even Gen Z versus Gen X conversation. Oh, look, I'm pretty sure Chemical Brothers wouldn't even know who Fred again is. Oh, they honest. know. They know. <laughs> this is telling for the audience that Chemical Brothers are pitching. They're doing venues in other cities, but in Melbourne slash Victoria, they're doing the Day on the Green venue. So they're oh, now graduated <laughs> to the winery show. Oh, my God. That show's going to be amazing it's be in cooked. terms of the audience. <laughs> White wine and pingers don't go well together. <laughs> Sorry. And they will be calling them pingers too because the audience will be from the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. When next we catch up, I'll be able to report back on Chemical Brothers and hopefully Fred again. <laughs> Compare and contrast. And we did not. I do not suggest that people will be taking drugs at any event. Of course not. Everyone's too old. Great little qualification you've got there, Miff. You should have mm. said that before you actually said it, but that's fine. Yes. <laughs> Covered ourselves for that tick. <laughs> hey, speaking of cooked things as well, you sent something to me and when I saw it, I was like, I saw these IRL and literally <gasps> gasped and them? went disgusting. What you... the frig is going on with the pizza shapes hot cross buns? Have you seen them in the wild? I saw them in the wild the other day and I was like, I literally did the, like double take and went, because they're so, they look nuclear orange. They're so messed up. Oh, actually, that sounds good then. I'm into it. Um, I saw this and I was like, well, look, if I, if it was barbecue shapes, I would be there. But pizza shapes, I can give or take. It's it's not my favourite Oh, you're my people. This on is a, why we're friends. Cracker. Yeah, exactly. Barbecue shapes are the superior biscuit. Hell yeah. But they've done pizza shapes. Interesting call, I say. Maybe they couldn't afford to do the green as well as the red in terms of the topping. I think that's probably probably a financial decision. <laughs> You've thought perhaps. about this. <laughs> I have. And I have no idea how that would work with a hot cross bun. Would it be a sweet bun and then with a savoury kind of salty topping? Will it be like caram- I think it's a f- salted caramel I think it's a chocolate? full savoury bun, which means it's basically like a pizza roll. It's basically like the pizza roll that we've oh. been buying for years from yeah. country bakeries, from supermarkets markets themselves, maybe even a cheese and bacon style roll. But you know, like oh. the pizza rolls that you buy, it's basically that, but in a hot cross bun shape. In a hot cross bun. So it's not even a sweet anything. No. Nah. Oh, 
No cinnamon, no any of that business, no raisins. I think I just saw your shoulders drop. Oh, what's the point? That just, that's just pizza shapes in a, in a bread roll. That's not a hot cross bun. You can't put a little bit of cross on the top and say that's Easter and festive. Pizza shapes in a bread roll actually sounds good though. Pizza what was that thing in... that they call as more like hot chips in, in the UK? They call them chip butty. Chip butty. Chip, bu- chip butty. Chip butty. <laughs> it's like a chip butty but with a crispy pizza shape. It is. It is. Look, look. if it is just that, like a sort of a pizzery bread, that's fine. I'll give it a go. But I was hoping it was going to be a little bit more horrific, You're part of the honest. problem, though. I'll give it a go is exactly why these collaborations happen. I'll give it mm. a go. Mm. I'm a purist when it comes to hot cross buns. No chocolate. I saw Sticky Date the other day. No. Oh, no. No, no fruit, like reduced fruit or zero fruit hot cross buns. I know some people don't like fruit. Don't have a hot cross bun is what I say. If you yeah, want to have a hot cross away, bun. Go away, not your time of year. Piss have, off, you've got bread 24 hours a day, 12 months of the year. Have a bloody Boston bun. Have a finger bun, but just steer clear of the hot cross bun. You don't need it. You don't need to have a fruitless hot cross bun. I feel very passionately about this. <laughs> go away, hot cross bun haters. You love that time. And, you know, I, I, especially when people go, oh, not not yet. Can't believe this two days after Christmas when one of the major supermarket chains put out their hot cross buns for Easter in a couple of months. And everyone's like, how dare they? And you're like, yes, please. Bring it on. In fact, yeah. just talking about it now, I'm salivating. I really want a hot cross bun. Mm-hmm. Go off and get one after this. <laughs> That'll be my lunch today. A six Delicious. pack of hot cross buns. Yeah, it was some really good butter with lots of salt in it, oh, dripping. Mm. Delicious. Yum. Yeah, everyone's just celebrating it gives right me, now. It gives me heartburn these days, though. <laughs> I can't eat them. <laughs> oh, speaking of sugar. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Unintentional segue, but one of the best things on the internet this week. Did you hear the what people are calling Firefest the Wonka edition that happened in Glasgow this week? Oh my god, it's brought me so much joy. How do we explain what happened in this um what looked like an abandoned warehouse? Yeah, it looked like a very abandoned warehouse, like a place that probably had been used to store I don't know, really large things. Like it didn't have any any kind of warmth or sense of place. It was just a shed essentially. And this company who go by the name of, and I think this is where people should have probably kind of got a, got a hint that things weren't quite right, Enchirining Entertainment. <laughs> I'm not sure what that meant um, on the poster because the poster for it, it was this Willy Wonka kind of immersive experience where apparently you would just go in and, and the images were great. It looked like it was going to be something the kids would sort of be able to feel like they're in Willy Wonka world and, and we all know what that feeling is. As soon as you, you imagine that movie, you see that world and uh, like to, to go to some sort of live experience of that would be huge for any kid, absolutely huge. But sadly when they walked in, it was in this shed, this very empty shed, and there was literally like <laughs> nothing in there but a, like a, a mocked-up lollipop and uh, they had like a rainbow that you could walk through that just didn't even... Didn't I mean, lead anywhere. Didn't lead anywhere. There was no pathway to the rainbow. And then I think serving up some lollies, but it didn't even look like lollies, was an oompa loompa, which was just a lady in a in a dress with a green wig serving up something. And people are saying it looked like she was dealing in a meth lab. <laughs> like it was that grim that kids and poli- – well, kids were crying and um, <laughs> parents actually called the police and said there's something wrong here and it really was. <laughs> 
all of the when you di- dive into it, and many videos on TikTok have um, the actual show art. You realise that they pretty much put a few prompts into AI. AI oh. spat out a few things, and no one checked that copy before posting it. But also, the AI art that was created was just sort of printed out on giant streams of paper and then just gaffered to the wall. <laughs> it was so craptacular. Oh yeah, the poster that's from Enchiring Entertainment. <laughs> Has these are the other things underneath cat cat gating? I think it's supposed to be entertaining. I think live perform performances two hours in there. Oh yeah, Karchi tons. Oh, I love Karchi tons. tons. Yeah, <laughs> lollipops. <laughs> A paradise of sweet teats. <laughs> like whoever put this together it was. So cooked. They just didn't care. Well, can I tell you who put it together? It's a it's a group called wait for it, the House of Illuminati. Oh, and the company's director, Billy Cool, apologized on the news. He's blamed the mess on quote holographic paper that hadn't arrived on time. Sure, mate. Um, leaving them unable to execute the quote absolutely fabulous technology they had in store. El- actors who were there, you know, like the woman, the Oompa Loompa woman behind the uh, meth lab, um, were supposed to be <laughs> hamping it up, hamming it up for the, the kids there who paid thirty-five pounds to arrive at this Wonka world. One of them, um, one of the several guys who had to play Wonka, Paul Connell, said that he was sent quote fifteen pages of AI-generated gibberish ahead of time that involved a villain called the Unknown, an evil chocolate maker who lives in the walls. <laughs> At one point during Friday's dress rehearsal, he was told to suck up the unknown man with a vacuum cleaner, but since no one had figured out how to get a vacuum prop, he was instructed to just improvise. There's a lot of care that's gone into this uh, Wonka Fire Festival myth, and I am here for it. I'm here for the hot takes. Absolute (laughs) shit fest, really. So good. And unbelievable. I cannot believe that this stuff still happens, and it's brilliant. And it's actually probably made the company far more successful than they deserve to be. The House of Illuminati. Oh God! You got to see go. the photos of this, though. Like it's it must be seen to be believed. Uh, it's incredible. It's so craptacular. I'll definitely mm. put that in the show notes. And there are some very funny. Actually, one of our favourite um, Instagram accounts, Saint Hoax, just posted yep. this morning their takedown of it, and That's that was so good. very, very enjoyable indeed. I'm, I must admit, though, it's probably just as craptacular as many things that came through our primary schools when we used to get theatre shows and things like that. Do you remember those? Oh yeah, when they'd come in with some bad props and a, and a couple of costumes that didn't fit anyone. It was always wonderful. I'm just realising. Suddenly, that some elements of Bang On Live are a little bit fire festival. Oh, totally! <laughs> if anyone actually came to our show and went, "What, like, what are you doing?" But we're upfront with how shit it is, and how 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 good is this supposed to be? <laughs> and, and how did you find that much gaffer tape me for to make what you made for the show? <laughs> That's just a teaser for those of you who've been to the show. You know what I'm talking about. Incredible, incredible oh. work. I'm proud of you, Miff. I'm proud of. What I'm you proud did. of us. I'm proud of us. <laughs> Oh, does that theme do things to you still, Miff? Eight seasons in, Queer Eye for the... Well, it's not straight guy anymore, is it? It's just Queer Eye. Queer Eye. Yeah. Queer Eye. I, I must admit, I've dropped off. Think, um, yeah, I think the last season I've been gradually watching it whenever I need something light, but I don't have the same sort of urgency of binging as I did a few yeah. seasons ago. I still love them, but I just know they're doing good work and they don't need <laughs> me. And they don't need me along as a passenger anymore. Like, they've got plenty of other passengers. It's a bit like liking a celebrity's photo on Instagram. It's like you don't, you want to like it, but then you go, 
I don't. They don't need my likes. They've already got it. They've got a million. They're good. It's very They're good, good for you, isn't it? I'm here if you need. But just I'm here if you need. Your like when thing. you when you're struggling, I'm still here. But if you're doing well, that's fine. You just go and you just go and be. And I don't need to be across everything. I can let you go now. Well, are you aware that Bobby Burke has left Queer yes. Eye? Then you know this. Well, we we know. We talked about this. We we discussed how hard he works compared to everybody else. <laughs> I.e., he had to renovate entire houses while they were off, you know, putting some notes on a whiteboard and having a having a cuddle. And <laughs> you're absolutely and, talking about Karamo here. <laughs> that's right. And and Anthony was like showing us how to butter a bit of focaccia. And then just standing in the shower and showering for no, like completely totally. out of context. <laughs> you know what, actually. So no I'm, one wants that gig. No one wants Bobby Burke's gig because it's really hard. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I know that we talked about it a little while ago, but as I've been watching the new season, I'm realising there's a sort of, there's an edge to some of the people who throw their hat in the ring. Sure, they want a makeover, but you can tell when they walk into the before and after of their house, they're like, yes, you just renovated my house for me for, for free. Me for free. And and I didn't why. have to do it. It happened really quickly and I didn't have to deal with builders. <laughs> that's why I nominated my partner because I wanted a new house. Like, I can sure. see to be very cynical about it. I mean, you know, if people watch, there's a lot of money that goes around these things. Good for them. But um, yeah. it's definitely gone a little bit from, yeah, let's just talk about feelings and put some new clothes on you too. We're going to do a full block o'clock renovation of your whole house. It's wild. It's, wild. it's really well, wild. But Bobby Burke's exhausted. I think he thought, and the reasoning behind his resigning, and this I wasn't aware of back when we discussed it a couple of months ago, mm. he thought the series was winding up after this last series and he'd made other plans. I mean, that just sounds convenient, like a nice excuse to get out when you want to get out, but um, maybe that's the truth. Who knows? Well, he has been talking about, because a few people have been speculating that him and Tan France had a bit of a blow up, and he did say actually in a recent interview that that did happen, but that's not the reason that he left and that he was working on repairing his relationship. But yeah, said pretty much that... We all thought that we were going to wind it up and then Netflix came back and I'd already made other plans to do things. He'll be fine. But in the meantime, it's been announced just in the last couple of days that interior designer Jeremiah Brent will replace Bobby for season nine, which is going to be filming in Las Vegas, Miff, this time. Goodness me. Um, So they're moving out of the south and they're going to the southwest, which will be fun. Goodness me. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I hope they don't tear down any beautiful mid-century homes that are still left (laughs) in order to renovate and make it all white. And <laughs> or black and, in, the, in the kitchen's case. No, Bobby, oh, there's yeah. no more black quick kitchens then because he loves painting a kitchen black, doesn't he? He does love a, he does love a dark shade in the kitchen. Um, good though because, you know, you can't see too much on it, although it does reflect a lot, so could make it hot. You've um, about yeah, this. The, the new guy is amazing. Um, just looking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks lovely, looks delightful. Don't know if he can... Don't know if you can, and I don't mean to objectify, but like I do think Ant- Ant- Anthony's going to have to start actually doing something because he's got competition. <laughs> Is Jer- that a bad thing to say? I'm not sure. No, no, no. There's, I think they all know their place there. Jeremiah um, definitely is a, is a good-looking fella. I don't know anything about this guy, but he's been in – um, a few different Netflix shows, Say I Do, also Homemade Simple on the Oprah Winfrey Network. I don't know if we get anything from that in Australia. And also um, his husband, Nate Barkas, they have a show together, The Nate and Jeremiah Home Project. So he's okay. got game. He knows what he's doing. He's going to be coming in for season nine. We'll wait and see. Um, the Fab Four are going to be a different Fab Four, but, you know, I'll keep watching because I watch everything. <laughs> of course you do, and I love that. You can tell me what happens. I'll tell you what happens. And, of course, we'll be getting very excited about the third season of And Just Like That. But you sent a little message to me a couple of days ago that 
Shay Diaz, the character of Shay Diaz, will not be returning to the third season. That's correct. Sarah Ramirez plays the character of, of Shay Diaz and people are saying, or, or perhaps the explanation is that 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 character was winding up because the relationship with Miranda had wound up and it's come to its natural end. But others are suggesting, and there have been rumours very strongly, that Asara won't be returning because of their opposition to Israel's war in Gaza. So it's it's a very interesting situation there. I thought, but yeah, I didn't know any about this because I think there's been some pro-Palestinian um, messages and tweets that Sarah has posted. I didn't know any about anything about mm. that. But I think we talked about it last time. Like when Miranda and Shay broke up, but uh, the character of Shay still stuck around. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? So I'm fine with this. I've just yeah. never really been a big fan of um, of Shay Diaz. So you know, yeah. Oh, oh, or should I say Shay Sarasara? Oh, oh, so sorry. No, that was really good. I love that. So sorry. Um. Can I just say, though, what I'm going to miss? Woke moment. (laughs) And those who have watched the show will know exactly what we're talking about. They really turned that down in the second series, I think. I don't even think it made an appearance. I don't know why. It was brilliant. Why don't we have a woke moment button for bang on? (laughs) Fucking hell. Fuck, that was terrible, wasn't it? Oh. So sick of the way that woke has been just absolutely recontextualized. The word is dead to me now. I it hate is it. Dead. I hate it for so many reasons. I know. Um, I've been really interested in seeing a lot of conversation over the last little while about young people, and I'm talking like tweens, like ten to twelve year olds, mainly women getting on board with really expensive beauty products, things that they probably don't need yet, like the things that got retinol in them, stuff that like a beautiful, youthful skin that bounces back and has got a shit ton of collagen in it does not need. But you sent me a really great piece from Van Badham in The Guardian this week about um, this kind of thing that's happening in the States in Sephora and maybe around the world Mm. about this sort of generational battle between young folk who are tearing up these makeup stores, they say, some people say, um, and older folk who are getting really annoyed that they're encroaching in their space. This is so <laughs> interesting, these kind of like, again, everything's binary, everything's a division, everyone's, you know, this know. person versus Everyone's that arguing person. against everybody else, but they are making the makeup stores filthy. I've been in there recently <laughs> and the kids are in there and the fingers in the eye makeup. I mean, as if you wouldn't, you're a kid. It's beautiful. It looks amazing. It's there to ruin. And they blend too. They love blending. Just they make a little cocktail. Blending. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let them let them be free. If you're going to put a tester there, you get what you deserve. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that the issue here is not that the kids are in there and and that that you know older folk are getting upset. Maybe they are, but really they really need some other things to be upset about if that's all they've got. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But Van Batem actually points out a kind of deeper issue to this whole thing is that. Kids are actually there because they're watching adults do exactly the same thing mm. and and the implication is that if the adults are obsessing over these things, we're, we're giving that to the kids. They watch, watch and learn from the adults and if they are buying makeup that is not right for them, A, and, and we're talking retinols which actually take layers of skin off gradually if they're strong enough, you know, that's oh the God. whole point. That's the whole point. It's to sort of, re, you know, regenerate, resurface, all of that stuff. And it, it, it makes your skin, you know, it brings up a fresh layer. But 11-year-olds don't need this stuff on their skin in any way, shape or form. So, A, where are the adults stepping in and saying, hey, you should, probably shouldn't be having this? But also, why why are they so obsessed with skincare? I don't 
think you need to be that obsessed when you've got the best skin you'll have in your lives. But like, it do, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like you think about the way that whatever we obsessed with when we were kids and how you had to have it. You mm. had to have the Cabbage Patch doll or whatever yeah. your friends had. It's all that kind of stuff. So it's keeping up yeah. with the bestie, the Joneses, for lack of a better word. And the rise of social media, particularly TikTok, the way that we're many of us shut in across the world between yeah. 2020 and 2022, and all we had was our phone. This And it's, it's always been in the last few years, something that's completely consumed. But even more than that, when we're really socially mm. isolated, we're just looking and we're looking back at ourselves and then we're looking at all this targeted advertising. Between those pandemic years, this you know significant 2020 to 2022, global sales of beauty products increased by nearly $100 billion, Miff. Oh, yeah. And you think about how much stuff, like I don't know about you, but I'm served so much stuff through my algorithm. I think that I told you it was a couple of months ago, which I still haven't used the stupid wrinkle patches that stick in there like plastic. And oh, can I, can I try those? I still haven't tried them. Yeah, let's do, let's get, do them let's together. Let's try them in Newcastle. <laughs> but I bought it, you know, and if me, a 45-year-old woman who is, should know better, who, is, who has literally studied this shit at university about mm. how you can be um, coerced into buying things, manipulated. That you if don't If I need. don't know any better, then what hope does a kid have? A little and kid who hasn't doesn't understand how the media works, has been, you know, f- mainlined this shit through their phone 24-7. Like, they stand no chance. You can't get angry at kids for, for doing no. this. They really stand no chance. It's capitalism and yeah. the, the big bad, you know, brands that are doing the bad work. They're the ones that we should be calling into question, not little kids who are still sticking their dirty fingers into pots of Clarins at Sephora, you know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. That's not where our anger should be lying. It should be, you know, it's back at us really. We're the ones that are looking at all this stuff and passing that on to the next generation and validating it and making it important and the companies know that. So it's almost as if... It's uh, this late stage capitalism is just getting grimmer and grimmer and grimmer, isn't it? It it feels, it it just feels kind of sad that this is where we're at now. Although what I do like is the fact that a lot of sort of cheaper chains are now, uh, I guess what they call dupes, making dupes of all these products that cost an absolute fortune that are bad for bad for the kids' skin. At least the kids can afford it now. They don't have to, you know, steal these products. I actually saw, you know, the UK uh, BBC DJ Annie Mack. She was, yeah. um, I follow her on Instagram and she posted this a couple of weeks ago where she's not a beauty influencer at all, but I think she just wanted to do a public service and she just dissected, I forget what it's called, but it's a famous French face cream and it costs like something like $1,500, ridiculous. She basically dissected it and she's like, I don't, I'm not paid by any of these products. I just want, I was interested for my own sake. And she looked at the pro- the ingredients of this cream and then she mm. looked at the ingredients of basically, I think it was like a Nivea or Pond's cream, mm, something that stuff. costs like 10 bucks and it was almost the same ingredients. Oh, no. It's all bullshit really, isn't it? We're all going to get old and wrinkle and die. We can't stave it off. Let's just enjoy it. <laughs> Gosh, that was dark. <laughs> In closing, get over it. <laughs> No, let's just enjoy it. I love this piece. Thank you for sending it. I'm going to share it with everyone. Sephora Tweens Raiding Drunk Elephant is a great title as well. Thank you, Van Badham, for that. Oh, speaking of things that are highly uh, trendy and consuming and capitalist. Sorry for saying trendy. What a dad. What a Gen X thing to say. 
Bring it back. Trendy. It's trendy. It's funky. <laughs> I'll never say that. You know not to say that word in I'm my gonna presence. I'm going to bring it back. Bring back <sighs> trendy and funky, everyone. Dare you all at, at Newcastle Bang Fam, if you come and see us and buy some merch, <laughs> can you please, if you've listened to this podcast, tell us it looks very trendy and funky. <laughs> we will lull hard. Getting ready for that. Uh, speaking of things coming back and things that I didn't think would come back, the net bag is back and being driven <laughs> with force by one Kimmy K, Kim Kardashian, who's been sporting a beautiful net bag, which I think mm. costs $6,950, which is a bit more than the one. We're talking net bags, things that, you, you know, if you go down to the market and you want to carry some oranges home, that's yeah. what we're talking about. When your nan gives you some lemons it's from her tree. That was always the bag that you got them in. It was just like a little net bag that you could put in your pocket and it would expand and you could put the world in there. It's amazing. Well, that's a, a very telling reason why maybe it's come back because it's, you know, the net bag represents possibility, Miff. It can be mm. whatever you want it to be. And also people it, can see what's inside your net bag. So it's about projecting your intentions, yourself, the contents of your bag to the world. Who you are through your bag. <laughs> Oh, my God. And you can, it can also be a tiny micro bag or it can be ludicrous, ludicrously capacious. capacious. Kim's really been pushing it hard, though. Do you think it's going to take off? Because with those net bags, oranges, apples, great. But anything that's like, oh, I want to put a lipstick a in, gone, gone. Gone. A tampon. <laughs> right through the hole. Gone. Nothing, nothing of any kind of, you know, any edges on it, any pointy bits. <laughs> They'll rip the bag. Um, yeah, useless. Utterly useless unless you're going shopping for veggies, I think. The net bag is for people who either buy veggies or people who have got minders that whatever falls outside the net bag, mm. then someone's behind you picking it up all the way. It's The net bag is for people who don't really need a bag. They're just holding a net bag for fashion. <laughs> That's the reason behind the And that net is bag. why we love fashion. That's why we love fashion. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, goodness me. I Well, interestingly enough, it's probably a book I've banged on about at some point during this podcast uh, uh, for some reason or at least spoken about it because I remember it had a huge impact on me when I was growing up and learning about music, particularly music from Brisbane where I'm currently residing, even though you wouldn't know it given I've been in Newcastle and Adelaide in, <laughs> in the last couple She's of She's a woman weeks, of the world. Months. I am a woman of the world. But Show I, me I'm, your boarding passes in your net bag. Yeah, in my net bag. Um <laughs> Take that on the plane and everyone can see, you know, that you've got your, I don't know, whatever tablets you're taking to stay sane and, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's things for your yeah, interior workings. It'll be great. Intentions. Um, They're called intentions, Miff. Yes, intentions. <laughs> I love that. But, yeah, this book is, is it's 20 years old and it's called Pig City and it's by a writer-journalist, Andrew Stafford. And the reason why I'm banging on about it now is that I've had to reread it in order to write a little cover note for the 20th anniversary. Oh, which I love means, that. Which means it's coming out soon. And, and I just remember at the time because I knew nothing about Brisbane and I knew that there'd been some seminal acts that had come out of there, you know, the Saints, the Go-Betweens, um, Powderfinger in the 90s, Regurgitated. There was so much that came out of Brisbane but we sort of didn't really know much about the environment from from which they came and the history because I guess a lot of Australian music journalism had really focused up until that point on Sydney and Melbourne. A little bit of Perth when you had the scientists coming through at the same time with their sort of garage punk rock and roll. But 
we really didn't know much about the history of Brisbane and the politics and this book was kind of mind-blowing at the time when I read it because it, it, it combined all of the things that I was interested in, music, its its origins and how these, these groups began but also the politics that surrounded them and, and why they rose up from from within those confines. And, and in the 70s and 80s in Queensland, it was notoriously one of the most politically corrupt and um, I guess in terms of the police corruption as well that we've ever seen in this country and, mm. and through that came some of the you know, some of Australia's greatest music. So rereading this book, I was just really, I was reminded of how good it is as a as an overview of that history and it goes from the 70s through to the end of the 90s. And, um, yeah, it's, if you get your ha- your, a chance to get your hands on a copy when it comes out again or if a friend's got a copy or it'll be in the library, give it a read because it's, it's just a real eye-opener to, I guess, an un, unsung scene to a certain degree because we do tend to focus a lot more on our capital cities like Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, and Andrew Stafford does it so lovingly too as like a Brisbane, you know, native. He just really digs into the scene. I think also like we are so every week on Bang On, we're kind of trying to unpack the week that was and we try to take a bit of a wide angle lens of why things are the way they are and what led to this point. But this is such Mm. a perfect reminder of, you know, things don't happen in isolation. There's a build to it and there's a reason. It's so nice to be able to step back and go, what led to this point? What led to, particularly with music, you and I are such music nerds, Mm. just to be able to dive into that and really think about the context in which art, which always reflects what's happening, um, was was born. I'm so glad that you're banging on about this because Staffo is such a great writer and Peak City is such an iconic Australian book. It's one of those Mm. ones that everyone should read. So it's so so great that you're doing the intro for it. I didn't know that. No, not the intro, just a couple of lines. As if I can write an intro (laughs) they got someone else to do that no prologue no epilogue just a couple of lines just a couple of lines to say how great it is and it really is like it's yeah it's great and I feel like we're missing that from I don't know of a and if someone can tell me of a western Australian version or or a Darwin version you know I'd love to I'd love to read that because it's just sadly lacking in our discourse Absolutely. There was actually a really good book. Um, I'm just going to Google. It was on... Go, it was I want to hear Google. I want to hear Google as Amami. It was... Go on, press out, those keys. Here it loud. is. It was put out last year. <laughs> um, it's very specific, but it's talking about the kind of the incredible um, culture that has come out of northeast Arnhem Land and, of course, that's where Yothi oh, Yindi sprung. But Riding in the Sand by Matt Garrick came out a couple of years ago. Great. Um, and it's just the, the story of just Yothi Yindi and, and, of course, Treaty and, and how they just gave voice to a movement. But, yeah, that incredible um, cultural output of... Of, of East Arnhem Land, which hot tip, side bang, I saw I love Backroads um, mm. and next week's episode of Backroads is going to be going to North East Arnhem Land um, and talking about that Yongle culture and the incredible uh, art of all forms Unreal. Um, and thinking and leadership that comes out of that specific patch of Australia. So highly recommend. There's a reason there's something in the water. I love back roads. I got it. That's that's another extra bang. Extra bang. Oh, Heather, uh, you like it for the we win. Take, we take it for granted. It's just always on. So you just think, oh yeah, that's good. But it's freaking great. Like <laughs> we go to places we'll never go to in our lifetimes, and it's just pure joy, really. And it's not often looking for the the difficult and dark parts of this country, which you know, to a certain degree, we have to acknowledge as well. It's more looking at the, the positive elements, which is also, I think a nice way to look at things and it you just feel good when you watch that show. 100%. I love it. Yeah, this week's episode actually really made me think about 
uh, what matters because it was it was going back to a town that had experienced really t- terrible flooding and revisiting it and seeing how yeah. they'd recovered. So it's very much like there was some hard things that had happened, hard conversations. Two people had died, really sad, but also it was just about how this very small town rallied around each other. And I was watching that episode and just sort of I took a step back and went, God, People in regional towns must think that everything that city people talk about is just such bullshit. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> everything that we talk about, I'm bang on. Just going, it's just what, so well, silly. And well, I know there's a place for everything. And I know that sometimes talking about bullshit is a nice way to release the pressure valve. But it really drove it home. It was like the things that you get caught up in your own world, everyone's got their own stuff going on. Mm. It's very, Backroads is a great reminder of how incredibly diverse and broad our country yeah. is and how many little pockets of stories there are to be had. So Yeah. And look, when when getting on the netball team on the notice board in the main street or the footy team, who got what position and who gets to play and who doesn't, still one of the major highlights of any country <laughs> town, I can tell you. You know it. You know it better than They probably than do most. it on the internet these days, but we used to have to go and look at a board to see if I got if I got to play wing defence that week. Oh, my God. I could picture the board right now. Mm. So, so good. A few little bits Everyone of, Everyone you know, looking. Push pins and just someone's ripped out the paper, but they've still got the little curve of paper underneath the push pin because they haven't taken it off. It's all there in my head. I love it's it. It's there. That's a beautiful description. Hey, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a beautiful podcast called Yours Queerly. Fran Kelly has put this together and it is a handful of conversations about, um, interestingly, if you're talking about long game, you know, the people that came before you. So obviously Mardi Gras parade is on this weekend. And I just wanted to acknowledge all the people who have been having a really tough time this week, those who knew Luke Davies and Jesse Baird, those who have been affected by the deaths of these two men in Sydney. It's just been an awful time for the queer community, for the broader community. And I think Mardi Gras is going to still be a celebration, but there'll also be a pause given what's been happening over the last week. And I just want to extend... A huge amount of love to anyone yeah. who's, who's feeling that because it's it's a really tough time when you're faced with this kind of violence and sadness um, and it's just been really awful. But I think that one of the great things about Mardi Gras, having been lucky enough to live in Sydney and in Darlinghurst for many, many years, is just the joy and the found family that you have in queer communities and that's what this podcast is is all about. It's about the people in your life that came before you, that stood beside you, that have been your person um, and it sees Fran chatting with duos of people, so Narelda Jacobs and Queen Kong, Josh Thomas and Courtney Smith. I was listening this morning to, speaking of the Tillies, Michelle mm-hmm. Heyman and Katrina Gorey, um, who are best friends, who are both queer women and who talk about you know, their lives, their lives in in elite sport, their lives as female sports people, but also their lives as queer women too. Mm. And it's just such a gorgeous celebration and I just feel like everyone needs this little dose of, of love and reminder of, you know, the, the importance of, of that found family and the importance of finding your tribe um, and, and leaning on them and, and asking for them advice. But also you know, on the flip side, having, you know, as a mentor, having young people in your life to to connect with as well. So it's just gorgeous. Yeah. So it's called Yours Queerly. It's on the ABC Listen app. If you're listening on whatever podcast format you're listening to Bang On, you can find it. Um, and it's gorgeous to hear Fran again um, chatting with people because she's one of our great interviewers and it's just so beautiful to hear her having chats about something that I know is really important to her as well. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait to listen to that. Sounds 
Amazing. It's gorge. Well, happy Mardi Gras to all Bang Fam who are celebrating. If you're mm. heading along to the um, big parade this weekend or having your own parties, we'll be having our own silly party in Newcastle next Thursday, Miff. So excited about seeing everyone at City Hall. Oh, can't wait. I'm actually really excited to A, have Bang Fam come up to us and say trendy and funky. <laughs> And also to the fact that I'm making you watch Saltburn, which I know you don't want to. <laughs> I have to do it sometime. Sometimes you just need that little prod. Sometimes I will come you need prepared. to be forced. You need to be forced. Oh, God. Oh, one, two, three, four. Baby, scream if you want some more. Uh-huh. It's going to all make sense to me. <laughs> I'll see you next week, you dickhead. on calling all bang fam double j's smash podcast bang on is happening live on stage across australia are we all ready ready to bang on Miff and Zan are heading your way with a string of live shows in February and March, including Adelaide Fringe, Newcastle, Perth and Hobart. It's like Statler and Waldorf up here. (laughs) Don't miss these big conversations about music, art, life and stuff. Sounds like we don't like this movie, but the problem is, loved it. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll get swept up in the fashion. Fashion, 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 fashion. Bang on live with Zanro and Miff Warhurst. Presented by Double J. I wasn't asking for applause. Ticket info at abc.net.au slash abc events. Bang on.